0: Too much for you. but uh, anyway, we were on our way to Nashville to the Southern Baptist Convention. Broke it on the way up there, so didn't ever make it to Nashville. but we got a chance to get it worked on, and so it looks like it's uh, a long-term thing, maybe a few weeks. But I'm always glad to be here, and I'm always glad to be around my friends at First Baptist Fairmont. And I'm so delighted that uh, Carter has uh, allowed me to do this. Uh, I think perhaps. This will be slightly more intelligent than Carter would have been under these circumstances. <laughs> slightly. Uh, but speaking of names earlier, he was talking about the, his son's name and the generational names. We, uh, our daughter is Cassandra Nicole, and had she been a boy, we were going to name him after the two uh, grandfathers. William Eugene, which was my father, and Robert, which was her father. It could be William Robert, or as we affectionately refer to it in the South as Billy Bob. So, <clears throat> didn't work out that way, so we went on from there. Today, I want us to look at a book. You're going to say to yourself, oh, this could be terrible. Well, not really. It's not going to take that long. Uh, I want you to look at the book of Philemon. Philemon is in the New Testament. Now, it is okay with me if you go to the index, because it's a little tiny book and it can slip past you if you're not careful. And it'll be on the screen as well. But The book of Philemon. And I want to just read with you the book of Philemon. It's only uh, the first uh, 20 verses or so. And then uh, we'll talk about this story and about the people and their faith in each case. Philemon says, uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, and Acropus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I will always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love and faith towards the Lord Jesus and towards all of his saints. I pray that your participation in the faith may be Effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement for your love because the heart of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do this, do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, As an elderly man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I fathered him while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he's useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you as part of myself. I wanted to keep him with me so that my imprisonment for the gospel might serve me, uh, he might serve me in your place." I didn't want to do anything without your consent, so that good deed might not be out of obligation, but out of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a dearly beloved brother. He is essentially excuse me, is especially so to me but even more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, accept him as you would me. And if he's wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self. Yes, brother, may I have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. This is a pretty simple book. But it has some interesting challenges in it. The first part of this book basically is Paul addressing a church leader in the area of Colossae. Now Colossae is about 1,300 miles from Rome. And that's going to become important in just a second. So Paul is writing from his Roman prison. He's writing to Philemon who is, is a church planter in essence, a leader of his church in Colossae. So he's trying to get information to him. At 1300 miles, it would have taken several months for anything to have gotten from one place to another. That's also an important thing to remember in this story. So what is the story? It starts with, it starts with a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus, you see, was a slave to Philemon. Now, one of the things about the first century is that slavery was quite common. But it was, it was more common from areas in which uh, areas had been captured, for example, uh, by Rome. So oftentimes they were placed in slavery. Slavery was a, was a common practice, and it wasn't seen as an unusual practice. But the person was indeed a slave, and as a result, they had to stay and do what their master said that they should do. Well, Onesimus was a slave to Philemon, but at some point during the process, Onesimus said, I no longer want to be a a slave, so I'll escape. And where does he escape to? He escapes to Rome. Why would he go to Rome? Well, you know, it's Rome. A lot of stuff going on in Rome. And at one point in the first century, it was estimated that 500,000 slaves who had run away from their masters, various parts of the, of the region, had come to Rome. As a matter of fact, one of the, the, most every freed slave, even if they were freed by their masters, came to Rome, looking for employment, looking for a place to belong, and that was the kind of the common thing. As a matter of fact, in the first century, there was a law, a Roman decree, if you were going to free your slaves, you could only free a third of them every year. Because there were so many slaves that were coming in. you can imagine the economic struggles that would be happening in a city with all of these people who just showed up. So that's what Onesimus did. Onesimus said, I've had enough of Philemon. I'm going to go to Rome. And he went to Rome. And while he was in Rome, he happened to run into Paul. Now, I'm not sure how he ran into Paul, and the scripture doesn't tell us how he ran into Paul, but one thing the scripture does tell us is that Paul led Onesimus to faith in Jesus Christ. Led him to to the Lord. So, after he led him to the Lord, Onesimus became very useful and helpful to Paul. One of the challenges in the first century in the Roman world was that if you were in prison, uh, the whole thing about eating—that was your responsibility to figure out how that worked. They weren't going to feed you, they weren't going to take care of you in that way. Also, people would often have assistants and people who would come, bring them food, keep them healthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where what Onesimus became to Paul. Timothy was also there, so he too was making sure that Paul was cared for. So, with that as the background, something very unusual happens again. Paul says to Onesimus, you need to return to Philemon. Now, there's probably some great King James language as to what Onesimus' first reaction was. But in the south, he would say something like, say what? You want me to go back to the guy who enslaved me? I mean, Paul, I know it's been a rough time in the prison here, but have you lost your rocker? I'm not, I don't want to go back. So, Paul says, he must have said, you've got to go back. Because I can't imagine it was an idea that, that really rang forth with, Enthusiasm when it, when it was mentioned. I just don't think that would have happened because who wants to be, go back? First of all, who wants to travel 1,300 miles by foot and then go back to where you're being a slave? So what does Paul do? Paul writes a letter to Philemon. Now Paul, at this point, is being very, very presumptive. I don't know, have you ever had a friend who was presumptive? Maybe it's a close friend. Maybe it's a friend that you know very well. Y'all have been together through a lot of things, and they're very close to you. And they know that if they ask something of you, that you would do it. Because that's how close the friendship is. Well, Paul thinks that about Philemon. So he writes this letter to to tell Philemon that he should accept Onesimus. Now, here's a point that's very important. Paul could have just said, accept Onesimus. Just do it. Paul had that much right because of the structure of, of the first century church. Paul was a very big deal. He was a, the apostles were very big deals. When it came to the church, they were seen as the ultimate leaders of the church. So Paul could have just turned and said to uh, Philemon, look, take him back. Take him back. Because I told you to. You ever done something because somebody told you to do it? Yep. Anybody was a kid once, maybe, uh, maybe married now, something like that. So you know, so you were, you did something because you were told to do it. It was not something that you decided was a great idea. You were just issued an, a, a directive. And Paul knew that he could do that with. Philemon. He knew he could do that. He could just say, Philemon, you're going to take him back because I, Paul, said so. It was a presumption on the friendship, but it was a presumption that Paul knew he could get away with. He understood the dynamic and knew he could get away with it. But Paul didn't do it that way. Paul instead said to Onesimus, Uh, Go back to Philemon. I'll write you a letter to explain what's going on to Philemon. Because if you just pop up, it could be not really pleasant for you. So, he does. He writes this letter. But notice in the first part of the letter, Paul's conversation about where he is and who he is. Paul is saying, I am where I am. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He was being held because of the preaching that he was doing, the teaching he was doing. He was being held because he was a problem. Now, the New Testament doesn't go into great details of all this, but if we read through histories, we know that the, that the uh, church, early church, was very disruptive to everything that was going on around it. You know, there's the phrase in Acts where it says, they have turned the world upside down. Well, two things to remember about that. One, that was happening to a lot of people. A lot of people, Gentiles and Jews, were coming to know Christ. And that was amazing. That was wonderful. But it was disrupting the social fabric. And there's nothing that Rome hated worse than disruption. So they just isolated Paul, put him in, a, put him in prison, leave him there. What he's doing is a violation of some law. We'll figure it out. And they put him in prison. And they left him there. And they left him there, and ultimately they would execute him, but they left him there for a long time. And while Paul was there, he kept, he kept writing information, writing notes, talking to the church. And this time he writes this note about Onesimus for Philemon. And he says, I could, I could do this. This way, but I don't think that's the best way to do it. So Paul presumed, could could have presumed upon the friendship, but didn't. Onesimus could have refused to go. I mean, I'm telling you that was, that's a big ask. Paul says, "I want you to go back to the person who's your master." And by the way, you're going to get two and a half three months of walking in the desert to figure out how good this is going to be. you are going to walk and walk and walk and walk and walk, and a couple, three months from now, you're going to show up over there, and then you're going to meet your master. Certainly no chance to worry along that journey, was there? You ever knew something was coming up, and you just wanted it to happen and get over with? Oh, yeah. Wanted it to be over with. But here was Onesimus taking this letter and going to see Philemon. Onesimus expressed a great deal of faith. He he, he had a great deal of faith in Paul. He had a great deal of faith, of course, in Jesus Christ. But I think he had a great deal of faith in Philemon. Because he must have known that Philemon was a good man, a just man, a follower of Christ. And he must have figured that it must have worked out okay for him because he took the letter from Paul. Now, we know he did it. We know he went there because we have the letter. He had to show up or we would have never seen the letter. So he shows up and he has great faith in the Lord and he has great faith in Paul, who sent him, and he has great faith in Philemon. Now, those are the two principal people we get to before we get to Philemon himself. We see Paul. We see what he's about. We see who he is. We see him making a request. We see Onesimus deciding to accept that request. His own free will to go back to the person for whom who owned him. And then we get to Philemon. This book is one of those books that doesn't fit well with the Western mindset. You know, you know there's no ending, right? Did you recognize that? There's no ending to this book. We don't know what happened. The book of Jonah is that way. Jonah goes and he he, he says, y'all, all right, Nineveh, you better stop or you're going to get blown up and it's going to be over. And they repent and and, and and Jonah hates it the whole time. Matter of fact, he goes, sits on the eastern side of the city to watch it blow up. He was looking for God's fireworks on that town. That's what he was looking for. But you see, it says at the end, God says... Should I not have mercy on these, on these 120,000 people? Should I not care about them, Jonah? We don't know the answer. We don't know the answer to what happened. And there's something about that that irritates the Western mind a lot. It, it bothers I want to know the end of the story. I grew up in a house in which my mother would go, if we were going to go to the movies, and the mo- movie we were going to see started at 4 o'clock, she would show up at about 3.30 and go into the theater and watch the end of the movie we were going to see. My mom was an interesting woman. And she, we went in there and we would watch the ending. And she says, I don't want to ever be surprised. Okay. I got lines there I'm not using. We don't ever want to be surprised. You want to know the ending. Well, you don't know the ending of this book. Philemon had a couple of choices. Philemon could have accepted just like Paul wanted him to do. He could have accepted him. He could have said, okay, I understand this is, this was great that you got to know the Lord. I'm excited about that. Come and be my brother and let's work together to share the gospel. One ending. The second ending could have been that uh, Philemon becomes angry, punishes Onesimus, could actually have killed Onesimus for escape. Or what? Or something in between those two. But we don't know what he chose to do. We assume we understand. It's kinda like at the end of Jonah. We assume that we know what they're doing what he what he does. We assume Jonah never does figure it out. And we assume that Philemon does. But we don't have that for a certainty. And here's the thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Other than the relationship we have with him in our life, there are no certainties. Our entire life is the book of Philemon with no ending. We don't really know how it's going to turn out from day to day. We have a pretty good idea of some stuff. But you know that you and I don't know when illness is going to strike? We don't know when death is going to happen. We don't know when adverse circumstances are going to take place in our life. We don't know any of those things that are going to take place. But we do know a Savior who loves us enough that he bled and died for us on a cross. And that we have certainty in. And that certainty was the one thing in common with the three people in this book. Paul certainly had it. Paul had a faith and a confidence in Christ that was probably second to none. He had already been the, the uh, person who had tried to destroy the early church when he was Saul. He had the, the Damascus Road experience and he realized the errors of his ways and he came to know Christ, and then he became the great evangelist that he was. We, we know that. We know that, that's, that, that he had faith. We know Onesimus had faith because we understand what Paul is trying to say to Onesimus. He's trying to say, you go and have confidence in the Lord. So Onesimus not only believed in Christ, but had enough faith and confidence in Christ that he was willing to chant something. To take something that was not a sure thing, and then Philemon, we know he knew the Lord; he was a leader in the church, but we don't know how he responded. You know, that is the Church of Jesus Christ. We are in all of those camps almost almost simultaneously. We have a faith in the Lord Jesus. We know who he is. We've accepted him. We have a faith that, that lets us continue day by day. That's one thing. That's, we do have that. But you know also, we have a life that's full of uncertainty. Everything is uncertain. You don't have the assurance that you're going to make lunch today. None of us do. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, who would have imagined a year ago, February, that we'd have a worldwide pandemic? Were any of, did any of you all anticipate a worldwide pandemic? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it did. And then we had to know how to respond. We don't know the future. We have no idea what's going to happen next. And all of this relates to the church in this way. Here we are, sitting in this building right now. Most of us, I assume, know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I hope so. If you don't know him as Savior and Lord, today's the day to take care of that problem. We're all sitting around here, and we we know that. But have we been willing to take a risk that Onesimus was willing to? Well, you know, no, there's no slavery, none of that's happening. We don't want to take that risk. I'll tell you what, we have to take a risk that's just as big. It's the risk of being the church of Jesus Christ in this community. That's a, that's a risk. Because you know what could happen? We could be rejected. We could have our, our message turned off by the world. We could. But if we're going to act like Onesimus did, we have to at least go in faith. The church is, is, is at an Onesimus point. There's something that needs to be done that's not easy. It's going to be challenging. It won't be simple. Taking the message of Jesus Christ to a community that needs to hear it is not easy. It's not easy. But here's the problem. It has to be done. Because you see, back at the very beginning of this, Paul was stating who he was. And if we say, as First Baptist Church Fairmont, if we say that Fairmont First Baptist Church is going to do what what God's called us to do, it's very simple what God's called us to do. We're to go, therefore, and teach all nations. Now, here's the problem. We think the go means we give money to Lottie Moon and we send international missionaries, and that's certainly part of it. But go means we have to go. The verb "goes" means as you are going. As you live your life, be sharing the message of Christ. What would happen if all of a sudden today we each left this room with the faith of Onesimus, Willing to face the challenge, whatever it might be, willing to willing to struggle against powers and principalities, whoever they may be, all for the purpose of sharing Christ with others. What happens if we do that? We'll be like kind of like they said in Acts. We'll turn the world upside down. You want to turn Fairmont upside down? I think it needs to be turned upside down. You want to turn Robinson County upside down? I believe it needs to be turned upside down. Do you want to touch the lives of the 60-some-odd percent of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ within five miles of this church? Some of you have been here all your life. Some of you are as old as me and older. And you may not even recognize the fact that there are so many people who don't know Christ. Maybe you have just been seen it so long and so often, kind of drifts past you. But as you get in the car today and you go home, think about the fact that every other house, at least, that you encounter, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't. They don't. A lot of them don't even have any indication of where they would turn for help if they needed a church. You know one of the saddest things that happens to me occasionally? It's probably happened to Carter, and if it hasn't, it will. You get a call from a funeral home, and the funeral home says, look, we've got this person, a name to person, and they passed away, and they've got, you know, a wife, couple of kids, whatever, but they have no church. They have no nobody to to do the funeral for them. Could you come over as a favor to the funeral home and do a service for this person? See, I believe that if you weren't a Christian, you need to be a part of a people of God. Because you don't know when you're going to need them. And they don't know when they're going to need you. But we need to have the faith of Onesimus. We need to step out. We need to do that which God has called us to do. And the other thing I would say as we get to a close is that you already know what to do. One of the things that happens a lot of times is, well, you know, we would do X, Y, and Z, but we don't know how to do it. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You've been sitting in this church for a long time. You've heard the message of God preached to you a long time. You know what to do. You know how to give a testimony to somebody you meet. What was your life like before Christ? How did you meet Christ? What's your life after Christ? Hello, that's it. That's the whole shooting match right there. That's how we do it. The question is, do we want to do it? Are we willing to be Onesimus and do the hard thing because the Lord's called us to do it? I mentioned earlier, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you need to do that today. It doesn't need to, to go another moment. Carter's going to be in the front in just a minute, and if you need to respond by that, you do that right now. If you're sitting around and you're saying to yourself, wow, uh, I, li- I like these people. I don't like the guest speaker, but I like these people. Then, then and I want to become a part of them. Well, come on up here. Cardinal. will be glad to help you understand what you need to do to become part of this congregation. Or maybe you just need a recommitment of yourself to the task. Having the faith of Onesimus in essence. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I encourage you to to do it as we stand and pray, and then you come forward. Our Father God, we thank you for the message of Christ, the powerful message of Christ. Lord, we are all in circumstances like Onesimus. We have hard things to do. We have challenging things to do, and yet we need to do them. So, Lord, for those who may not know you as Savior, and Lord, help them to find you this moment. And for decisions that need to be made, help them to be made in accordance to your will. For in Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.